This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. So I'm Susan Carlson from Office of the President. I'm thrilled to welcome you here today. Um, this is our fifth and culminating roundtable for our UC Advance Paid Program. Our movable feast has ranged from Berkeley to Irvine, from Riverside to San Diego, and now to Davis. We have built a strong network during our roundtable meetings. Nearly 500 attendees from all 10 campuses, including chancellors, regents, UC provosts, two of them, executive vice chancellors, deans, chairs, faculty, including faculty leaders, staff, postdocs, and students. And for all of them, recruiting and retaining a strong faculty is a shared and precious goal. While we have had debates about research, definitions, and best practices, we are building a consensus on how to move ahead grounded in our shared recognition of the importance of cross-campus efforts in this realm. In remarks last month at the Lawrence Livermore National Lab, our president, Janet Napolitano, noted that, quote, UC as a whole cannot lead the scientific world unless we draw the best people from our society across all barriers of race, gender, and socioeconomics. The program goal for meeting the California Challenge Roundtables is to assist UC campuses in increasing the representation of women and underrepresented minorities on the UC STEM faculty, science, technology, engineering, and math. Also, importantly, we have included the health sciences consistently in our discussion. I'm very pleased to report that in the years we have been convening, and now it's almost three years, our hiring of women and underrepresented minorities in STEM ladder rank positions has grown. Um, uh, first, in the hiring in STEM in the last three years, the last three um, fiscal years, we have hired 13% underrepresented minority faculty. That's among the new faculty. And that compares to 6% and 9% in the previous two three-year cohorts. So it's gone up substantially. In the hiring of women in STEM ladder rank positions in the last three years, again, we have increased the proportion of women to 32% of those hires. And that is up from 28% and 30% in the two previous three-year cohorts. Our overall numbers remain low, but we are making progress in meeting our goals. We all know that every hire and every retention matters. Today's focus on workplace climate allows us to think comprehensively about how we understand, document, and improve our intense and creative workplaces. Over the past few months, the UC community has heard quite a bit about workplace climate. Uh, as most of you know, in 2012 and 13, over uh, 100,000 faculty, staff, and students, about a quarter of us, that is, filled out a climate survey, providing us with system-wide data we can use to assess how we experience our departments, our classrooms, our labs, and our campuses. You have likely looked at your campus-based results already. We all know that climate is quite local, 
But this aggregated data on faculty can also contribute to today's conversation. So I've, I've, I'm just going to present you to kind of whet your appetite. Two slides based on one of the statements that um, everyone responded to in this survey. Um, so in this slide, we have the results from faculty who were, who were responding to this statement. I believe the tenure standards and promotion standards are applied equally to all faculty. There were around 6,000 respondents, which included faculty in all Senate and non-Senate titles. And what you can see on this slide is that while men strongly agreed or agreed, and those are the, the red and the blue bars on the bottom um, to the to your left, um, you can see that while men agreed or strongly agreed with this statement 62% of the time, women agreed or strongly agreed 44% of the time. Also, there are responses from 48 respondents who identified in other categories of gender and sexual orientation. Um, these differences are something we should take note of. And then a second slide. Um, here, here we're looking at responses to the same question by the same 6,000 6, uh, respondents um, who are disaggregated now by racial and ethnic categories. Um, and let me just read quickly. You may not be able to see the, the tags on the bottom. Um, so the categories from left to right, and these are categories that were used by those aggregating the results. African-American black, first on the left. Uh, American Indian, other. Asian, Asian American, Hispanic, Latino, Middle Eastern, Southwest Asian, missing or unknown, multiracial, and white. So there's alphabetical order. Um, what you can notice here, uh, I think, is that uh, African Americans and blacks had the least confidence in the equitable application of tenure and promotion standards. Uh, Latino respondents were at 42%. Multiracial respondents at 48%, and again, this is the agree, strongly agree categories. Whites at 57%, and Middle Eastern, Southwest Asian at 59%. We really obviously don't have time to analyze these now, but I think these figures underline the importance of discussions like ours today. The survey, the survey has motivated the UC system to reaffirm commitments not only to creating safe spaces for academics, but also to identifying and cultivating spaces that nurture powerful thinking and that, that are invigorating, productive, and sometimes fun. A key to strong climates is the recognition of how differences need to be acknowledged as a strength and addressed as sound business practice. We have three goals for today's roundtable, and these are also listed on the top of your agenda um, so that you won't forget them. Um, and they are, to examine the issue of workplace climate and the impact climate has on the recruitment, retention, and success of diverse STEM faculty, to examine the very dimensions of work, workplace climate, the factors that influence it, and how the experience of climate varies by gender and race ethnicity, and finally, to equip participants with tools, resources, and strategies for assessing and improving workplace climate for STEM faculty. One of the strategies of today's roundtable is to give you data, research, and conversations that you can take back to your campus. We've tried to make this easy through the electronic packet that you received a few days ago. And in a few weeks, we will post all materials from today, including the PowerPoint slides and the videos we're recording, so that you can use them and they can be used by others on your campus. 
Not surprisingly, we're not the only research university working on creating a positive climate for our STEM faculty. The University of Michigan provides an instructive examples, example of ways in which deliberate and sustained efforts at improving the climate and diversifying the faculty pay off. Michigan has done climate surveys for faculty in 2001, 2006, and 2012. Much as with UC and our own climate survey, Michigan sought feedback on institutional and department climate and the specific department climate for diversity. What they found was that while positive change in climate was minor after five years, so that was between their 2001 and their 2006 study, by 2012 and after 10 years of sustained intervention on their campus, there was notable positive change in climate for all groups. Abby Stewart, who's been the advanced director at Michigan uh, since the beginning, and her colleagues report that it took persistent programmatic efforts, policy change, and commitment from top leadership. They verify that interventions work. They verify the importance of chairs and deans taking a leadership role on issues of diversity, the importance of acknowledging when you have a poor climate that needs to be fixed, and the need for a critical mass of faculty willing to deal with climate issues. And that includes everyone, including white men, of course. They learned that you can change climate and in a major way, and that it takes a long-term commitment. Which brings me to Shakespeare. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Today is a big day for Shakespeareans, in case you didn't know. It's Shakespeare's 450th birthday. So it's fitting that theater is actually on our agenda, although I have to admit that's a coincidence. Um, and while many think of deaf, evil, and powerful tragic figures when they think of Shakespeare, uh, Macbeth, Hamlet, King Lear, Richard III, I think of Shakespearean comedy, which, by the way, makes, makes much more room for women. And as a longtime scholar of Shakespeare, and a believer in institutional change, I would like to point us to the power of Shakespearean comedy um, for today's discussion. Comedy unmoors us from our standard, worn, and limited ways of thinking. It makes possible the imagining of new communities, and it assumes our better selves will prevail. So I would like to dedicate this day to an influential non-STEM figure and to look cheerfully to our own happy ending. So happy birthday to Shakespeare. Um, I'm sure our speakers today will charm, challenge, inform, and inspire you. Um, but before that, uh, I have a few thank yous. The planning committee for this event uh, was fabulous and very hardworking and included those you see listed here, Susan Rivera, Linda Besson, Kim Shaman, Daniil Jamison McClung, Mo Stanton, Karen McDonald, Amparo Villablanca, Sophie Barbu, Mark Golden, Amy Lee, Jennifer Lipscomb, Matt Xavier, and Nancy Tanaka. Uh, additionally, we had the help of many staff here at Davis in implementing the day. Um, and my own staff at UCOP, Office of the President, also put many hours um, into the event. In addition to the few I just named, I would also like to thank Sharon Thomas, Joe Augustine, Gina Duran, Carolyn Minnie, Janet Lockwood, Julia Flinker, and David Lang. So with that, 
I would like to uh, turn the podium over to Linda Katehi, who's been a very strong advocate for this program. She chairs the steering committee, and of course, she's the chancellor here at Davis. Thank you, Susan. And for me, as an engineer, I had no idea that Shakespeare <laughs> enjoys his birthday today. So um, that was very good information. Um, I also wanted to thank all of you for uh, being here this morning and for the event today. This is a very important event for the UC and, of course, for UC Davis um, for reasons that you all know, and Susan has spoken extensively, we are trying very hard to, of course, improve the conditions for all of our faculty on our campuses. But at the same time, uh, we do that to uh, bring the university at the level of excellence that we aspire to. And diversity, as we know, is an integral component of excellence. It's not a trade-off factor but is, um, when integrated well, is what propelling the universities forward. And we want to see the UC leading the nation in this particular area, as we all want to lead the nation in excellence, which, in fact, that desire has been really the hallmark of the history that UC Davis has uh, developed over the years and the hallmark of everything that we do. So um, the advanced programs have been, of course, very important to us because they provide structure and focus to our efforts. And I have to see that I, over and over again, every time I participate in an advanced program, I come to appreciate the focus that advanced and NSF has really provided us with through this um, tremendous program. As... Um, Susan described, and Abby, who I know, whom I know very well, has uh, laid out in that report from uh, March of 2014, changing um, the, the landscape when it comes to diversity, and specifically in the STEM fields, is an effort that needs to be sustained over many years. Because in reality, what we are trying to do is to change culture. And cultures, as we know, change very slowly. In the beginning, the major obstacle we had to overcome was the deeply ingrained, I would say, uh, belief that diversity is the enemy to excellence. That's where we started in the 70s and 80s as um, I became the, an assistant professor at the University of Michigan in uh, electrical engineering, and I can tell you from firsthand the, uh, the environment for women and underrepresented minorities was totally ineffective and uninspiring and negative. And it took a long time um, for people to just move from that end of the spectrum where they thought that diversity was the enemy to excellence to the other place where diversity was good if you could afford it to then the other place where diversity was good if you could manage to find time and do it because there are so many other commitments. 
as opposed to thinking that diversity is the vehicle and the tool to achieve excellence on these institutions. And I have to say, we have not yet found ourselves on that other end of the spectrum, where I hope that we, at some point in my career or my life, I will find a place where the, the community has reached that, that level of understanding, because really, that's what this is what is going to make our universities excellent. And um, it's so disheartening at times to see that you have to make the argument over and over again. But on the positive end, I have to say that what I have come to truly appreciate and be very excited about is that these programs, the advanced programs, provide focus and provide timelines for us to make changes on our institutions that would not happen otherwise. So we have an advanced program here at UC Davis that focuses on, of course, improving the um, participation of women in the STEM fields. But in addition to that, we focus also on race. As you know, the advanced program, as successful as it has been, it has truly benefited for a long time only one particular um, subgroup under the gender rubric. And it has been primarily white women who have benefited out of the program. And that was great. In fact, I, I have to say that's where we should have started because in the 70s and 80s, in that small pool, whatever was available, was primarily populated by white women. So we started there, but now that we have come to a level of um, success, I would say, that we feel proud uh, of. For example, on our campus, um, we are recruiting uh, women faculty at, and Mo is right there, she will correct me with the most recent um, statistics, but we are recruiting them at close to 40 or 42 percent at the assistant professor level. We have uh, at the associate professor level close to 42 to 44 percent women faculty. And the full professor level at 36% women faculty. So we are, or overall, um, we are doing extremely well. But now, so now is the time for us to start asking the questions that we have not asked in the past on how can we, within that now substantive group of women faculty we bring to our campus, how can we um, seek more diversity on the basis of race, ethnicity, sexuality, and other um, characteristics. There are specific uh, areas or characteristics which in the sciences have remained a taboo. And these are the areas that I believe we have the responsibility to look more into and with more vigor to try to understand the culture and eventually change it. Coming from engineering, I have to tell you, the issue of sexuality in engineering is a taboo, both for men and women. And it's something that needs to change because the rest of our society changes. People will say, well, why is that important? And my answer to them is that it is important because it is important to our students. When you speak with the students who are coming to be educated, well, on our campus, 56% of them are women. 
And many of them now are proud to identify themselves as gay and lesbians or as um, having other attributes which are important to them, for example, international or within that very specific. Asians from Middle East um, or on the basis of religion. You know, the students have arrived at this level of progress, I would say, personal confidence, where for them it's important to identify themselves by those attributes and characteristics that they believe define them. And they have an expectation that we will do the same at the faculty ranks. A lot of times when I meet with our uh, students, they say, why is it that among the students those specific attributes are so important, you go to the classroom and then you find faculty with either totally different ideas or you look at the faculty cohort and you don't see the same representation or the same um, effort to identify faculty by those same attributes because they are looking at us as their mentors, as their um, examples for success. They are looking at us to get a sense of where their careers may go. We are leading professionally and really developmentally the way for them. They are coming to us at the most critical time of their development as in humans, as people, and as members of a community. And they would like to see on us not just hear what we say, but see that in practice. And I have to, to tell you, our students are very sophisticated. They read more through what is not said. Silence is very, um, very um, rich in information, and they read it all. And that's what I hear all the time. So I think for us, if we aspire to success and excellence, and what excellence is, is our ability to educate our students and become the leaders in society in whatever ways they choose to, then we have to provide to them the best possible examples for success and to do it without expecting them to take away what defines them in an effort to be successful. Because that's what I was told, and many of us of my generation were told when we came to universities that we have to really hide our unique identity if we were to be successful. We were told to behave like a man in many ways. Well, women are not that. For example, we were in a discussion yesterday with our advanced group and uh, one of our members said, we were talking about a specific uh, issue on how you make progress, salary increases, how do you really go through the system we have in the UC to get promoted. We have so many levels and so many steps as we talk about. And then we, we were talking about this and what needs to be done to improve not just the, the condition for women, but the condition for everybody. Because, in fact, the one thing that we realize is that as we try to improve the conditions for the underrepresented minorities, then the environment for everybody gets better. And that's easy to document. But in any case, so there was uh, this story, because I like nowadays to say stories, I have to say. So there was this individual who said, well, when I... Um, came to this university, I was told that if I want to be successful, I have to act like a man 
and ask for an acceleration every time. All right? Well, why do we have to do that? Women do not like to ask for too many things. They don't have to ask every time they deserve something. We need to have a system in place to recognize it. And we need to uh, understand and appreciate and accept the various characteristics. And it's not, not just about on the gender basis, but on many other um, differentiating characteristics. People do act and perform differently. And the environment now, after so many years in higher education, should be sophisticated enough to institutionalize whatever tools we need to have in place to recognize the differences and attribute uh, success to those who deserve it and recognize success without having to ask these people to change before they get to be recognized. But I, having said that, I'm very pleased to say also that our advanced program has given us a push forward. The one thing that I'm learning as I see what we are doing is that change has accelerated or the willingness to change has become much more visible. Our community through the advanced program and through the groups that have come together, and these are groups of men and women, I have to say also. They're not only women who are sitting together to try to um, go through the advanced program and try to identify the goals and achieve them. We have many of our male faculty who have been truly committed to this activity, and I'm very, very thankful because this is really a, an indicator also of quality on our campus to see the whole community coming together. We have many packets of resistance, as everywhere. This is everywhere, true for every institution. But I also have to tell you, we have many people who are very eager to consider the change and eager to implement it. So this is now a window. It's like a window in time that provides us with an amazing opportunity to really make the appropriate changes that at the end will make UC Davis, I believe, especially because that advanced program is very specific to us, to make UC Davis a leading institution in diversifying our faculty and in providing an environment where Everyone can come to contribute. The moment that happens, our institution is going to probably do everything with the type of excellence and quality that we have not demonstrated in the past. And I'm very proud for the work that we have done in the past, which means that, as I tell everyone, this will be the vehicle to really become the leading institution in the UC. We can try to do a lot of things that will take us on the path that we've been but will be incremental in terms of the outputs that we will achieve. If we try to change fundamentally the way we have become an institution, with the way we have uh, developed our practices and the way we articulate and act on our values, and specifically as it comes to diversity, I believe this is by itself is going to push us on a different path. And that path will get us into uh, heights in terms of quality that we have not seen before. So I am very pleased to see you here. I have to tell you this morning I'm very hopeful that the changes we are making are great changes for our campus and for the UC. 
And um, I'm really looking forward to continuing with this effort. And as we discussed uh, in our previous meeting, we hope that this effort of getting all of the advanced programs throughout the UC and all of the communities that are working constantly around diversifying our campus together regularly. So we are hoping to institutionalize this effort after the NSF grant um, terminates. We, I see the NSF as an effort to, pro to give us a push forward, but now it's our responsibility to continue with the progress that we have made. So thank you so much for being here. And I'm looking forward to hearing from Meg, who has been a great colleague and, of course, has done wonderful things on her campus. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.